Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Artificial intelligence is one of those buzzwords that we hear all the time. Joe Connolly with me, Neil A. Caruso, the producer of the Small Business Spotlight podcast and videos. And Joe, raise a chattery of Ali Watch as our guest this week. You read his publication. We invited him in to our studios. He spoke about artificial intelligence and spoke about the tech industry, whether or not AI is going to take people's jobs, a big concern people have. And he says that he actually thinks in the long term, this is going to create higher value positions for people. But, you know, in the short term, it may take away jobs. He's really been following the tech industry and how it's impacting the larger economy. Uh, Joe, what is your impression? And again, I know you're an avid reader uh, of Alley Watch. Yeah, and sometimes I use stories from Alley Watch on my reports on the radio on WCBS uh, with credit, I might add. I always credit the sources when I uh, use other people's material. And what really caught my eye about Reza was the way that he lights up when he talks about different ways to use technology, lights up more about the use of technology than he does about his business per se, which also has an interesting model because he is using technology to create one new type of news media publication or website, and he actually is running, as some other business owners are now too, businesses in other cities around the country from here in New York because of this technology that Reza talks about. So hear that and more with the founder of the Alley Watch publication, Reza Chowdhury, and New York's best business storyteller, Joe Connolly, and the WCBS Small Business Spotlight. You may listen to my news reports on the radio in the morning. I read his daily online newsletter every morning. Reza is the publisher of Alley Watch, an online media company that covers the tech industry in New York. And sometimes, with credit, I will use stories that I find on Reza's uh, daily newsletter, though we've never met until this instant. How is business for your online publishing company right now, Reza? Business is excellent, actually. Uh, the New York ecosystem over the last 10 to 12 years has rapidly evolved since really the financial collapse. And tech has really become one of the solidifying forces in, in the New York economy. Um, for example, when we launched this publication in 2013, $820 million of venture capital went into New York companies. Last year alone, it was $10 billion. Do you have reporters out covering uh, you using news releases? How, how do you get all this content? So, Every day, for instance, there's the names of the latest companies that have been funded, and you can read about them. Every day. 
Yeah, so we don't really look at ourselves as a traditional media company. Because we're focused on tech, the type of uh, content that we produce has, uh, is a bit different than you know, traditional media yeah. publications. And we rely a lot on data and news sources and data sources to come up with our uh, content calendar. And as a result, that's, you know, we're monitoring different feeds, SEC filings to see who's getting funded. And a lot of it also comes in internally from, you know, the relationships we've established. So, you know, PR agencies, companies themselves, their marketing teams reach out to us, say, we're, you know, raising our funding in a month or in a week. We'd like you guys to cover us. They we call you now. Yes, that's yeah. correct. That's and a we, great position to be yes. in. Yes. <laughs> that's the easiest way to yes. do it. We love inbound versus outbound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and... You know, we don't look at ourselves as a traditional media company right. with the reporters because, you know, I don't have a background in traditional media. And when looking at sort of, you know, the media model, we looked at it from an oil and gas analogy. And we have to get content to come out of the well and we have to get it to, into people's homes. And if we can establish some sort of comparative advantage in doing those things, that helps us sort of in the longer term to be a more viable business model because the economics of media are not necessarily the most compelling. So your comparative advantage at Alley Watch is? We know how to get content in the homes of people more effectively than other people. We also know how to produce content more effectively. So a lot of the content that you see, some of the daily funding reports that you see that you mentioned, that's a lot of it is automatically generated from our news sources. So there's a bit of automation going on uh, involved there with limited human interaction. So to pay someone to write a story about a company, we have to earn you know, whatever our valuable cost was there back. But if we're able to kind of build a system once and let this repeat and you know, uh, rinse and repeat over and over again, then you know, we've built something that's a little bit more enduring. So as opposed to a traditional newspaper, and I guess I've kind of noticed this, the Alley Watch seems to be a voice of an industry. It's like a trade a trade publication in a way, but in a much newer way, the voice of. So I notice on your website that you say something like, we are here to connect the tech industry, which I guess can seem pretty insular if you're not in it, with the outside New York business community. And I found it interesting that you saw a need for that. Why? does the tech industry, which is booming so much, need to even care about the rest of the business community in New York? Well, I think it's a sort of symbiotic relationship that they both need to care about each other. Number one, like, you know, we can operate in this insular sort of tech bubble, but at the end of the day, all these tech companies that we cover that are, that are you know, if they want to be around, they need customers. Um, given that we're in New York, which you know many label as a hyphen tech town. There's advertising, finance. You know we're at the epicenter of so many different industries yeah. and nascent industries. Um, both we need to sell into these industries as the, as the tech community. But these industries, tech is touching upon you know everything there. So they need to keep a pulse on what's happening with innovation. So as a result, they'll you know leverage our publication to keep to keep you know their eyes on the ground. Of these are the new opportunities. These are sort of partnerships, these are threats, these are companies we might want to acquire, things of that nature. So the fact that it has become, as you put it, a hyphenated tech city creates the demand for all this data that you're downloading. That's correct. 
everyone wants to know, you know, especially in New York, um, everyone wants to know kind of where the puck's going to, to quote Wayne Gretzky, rather than where it's been. Right. So people want to know, you know, this is the next cool thing that's happening, whether it's in tech or in a particular industry. And, you know, how is this relevant to my business? Is the tech industry booming as much as all the newspapers say that it is here? Yes, I think if we look at the evolution of the economy in New York, um, we were in a very difficult position after you know the hedge fund crisis and, and sort of the mortgage banking crisis, where Wall Street really wasn't uh, as viable as a long-term employer, and, and you know Mayor Bloomberg had to diversify the economy. So championing tech was, was the easiest way. So there's over 300,000 individuals that are working in tech, depending on whose sort of statistics that you use. And they're creating sort of profound change. Now, you know, where we are today, and that was speaking of, say, 10, 12 years ago, this Not evolution. Not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, really, where, 10, 11 years ago. Where this evolution sort of has happened. But if we look at um, what's happening now within the next two to three years, this digitally native generation is going to come online. And people like to say that we're in Web 2.0 or 3.0. I really believe we're in Web 0.5, where we're just going to start to see this next evolution of innovation come into the marketplace and it will be a driver of the economy you know whether you're in tech or not even looking at sort of the radio business um, streaming has become such a large portion uh, of this business now so it's touching upon all these industries in different ways if you go to you know the hospital you know everything is done on a computer you know everything is done with records and whatnot so it's touching on every industry and we're just starting to kind of uncover the the vast potential there is there what's the next big thing that we're going to start to hear about and notice mm, i think you might not necessarily hear about it, but there will be applications of uh, artificial intelligence and it will become less of a buzzword and you'll start seeing practical applications of this technology. I think, you know, when a technology first comes out, what you see is really the most gimmicky sort of sexy version of it. And then when it really gets widespread adoption, it just becomes sort of commonplace and you know, almost commoditized. So the use of sort of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and this sort of automation is on the next sort of horizon, uh, uh, especially you know, for companies in New York and some stalwart industries. Is AI going to create more opportunities than it eats up? Uh, it will. I think in the, in the longer term, it will also eliminate some sort of opportunities, but it will create higher value opportunities. So, you know, the, you know, to be frank, I think maybe the distribution of, you know, those who benefit from AI may not be equitable. Those that are skilled and right. knowledgeable in it. And that's, I think, you know, part of it is, that's just the nature of, you know, uh, technology. Some are, are so into this that they're starting to say that the most important use of tech now is to increase repeat business and more interactions with existing customers and that that is more important than going viral now. Is, is that correct from your knowledge? Is, is that what's I think, you know, rather than sort of increasing sales and having that sort of top line business goal of increasing revenue, I think what AI enables people to do is really understand the needs of their customers, which I think is just a global business tenant that's not, you know, dictated by technology. It's just been there forever. You know, yes. when you understand your customers' needs, you're able to deliver more effective solutions to them. And that's what the skeptics say. Um, I've heard tech people go out to smaller business and they say, we'll help you parse state on your business. Yeah. And the guy says, get out of here, I know my customers. But we're beyond that because it does, it does 
It gives you some surprising things, right? You don't know everything. Yes, because there's an exponential creation of data. If you look at it, I think, you know, the statistic is on every day there's more, uh, you know, photos created than there were, you know, throughout the course of history. So that exponential data, no one can manually process. I don't care how well you know your customers' needs. And if you're able to layer the right types of data, you're able to unlock certain, you know, value propositions for your customer that you necessarily wouldn't be able to do manually or with employees. That the light bulb will go off. Yes. For exponential reasons. Which is just at a sort of a customer level, but if we look at the application of AI in say, healthcare, and when AI and machine learning is going through MRIs of you know, people that might have the potential to have cancer, then that's actually life-changing technology if they're able to say, hey, we've gone through a million data sets and we saw that you know, when this occurs in this MRI, 60% of the time the person develops some sort of you know, illness that could be prevented. So you get animated when you talk about <laughs> the field you cover, right? Yes. What did you do before this? What led you to start Alley Watch? Uh, immediately prior to Alley Watch, I was kind of in, I've been in the tech business. I've launched you know several businesses, but I think my career really had its fundamental roots in Wall Street, where out of school I was a trader for a number of years. So if I had to like break my technology career, or, uh, my career up, what I'd say is I was kind of a Wall Street trader. I went to business school, and now I've been a tech entrepreneur since. And you seem to like it. I do. Where do you take Alley Watch? Where do you go with this as a business? So we've expanded um, our coverage to a couple of other cities where we saw, you know, when we got involved in New York in 2012, we saw some, you know, trends and we make all these data-driven decisions, sometimes powered by AI, sometimes not. Um, we saw some other ecosystems that were growing. So we've launched in LA. We have a similar property there called LA Tech Watch, Paris, Boston, London. So we're in five cities now. And um, you, you know, have an office in each of those cities. No, Don't tell me, you all doing it from right here. Yes, we. You know, we're a tech-enabled business, so we want to be sort <laughs> yeah, of remote. I know. And you know, one of my mentors was a CEO of Madison Square Garden, and I asked him one day, you know, do you have a huge staff in all these cities because they operate the Great Western Forum in, in LA. He's like, outside of the maintenance staff, no. He's like, you should be able to operate your business from one place. But it requires us to spend a lot of hours and a, a lot of hours outside of normal business hours just to kind of keep up with the markets that we're in. And you know, Rez is not the only former Wall Street trader whom we have on these podcasts. And it's very interesting to hear the way that they see things. And they have that I'll call it killer instinct, and they get animated when they start talking about business opportunities, and that is something that we are trying to share with you in these podcasts to help you hear ideas and the way that other business owners go about thinking about their business and growing it. So who we have next week, Neil? Yeah, it's a fascinating mentality, and next week we have a big name, a big brand, Esther Fortunoff of Fortunoff ah. Fine Jewelry, and you know Esther Famous. came in. A famous person uh, came in and, uh, you know, was really glowing to be on the podcast with you. And she's uh, has reinvented the big family brand. They're located on Long Island. And, you know, the reinvention of, of a old business to create new products, to get into the digital age, to monetize her platform. So that's on next week with you, Joe Connolly. I'm Neil A. Caruso. We will talk to you every Wednesday. And we'll talk to you on the air on WCBS News Radio 880. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.